Our scripture this morning is from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful that your word is able to to make us wise unto salvation, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. That your word testifies of Jesus Christ that we may go to him and have eternal life. And so we pray that by the power of your spirit, that through your word we would be drawn to your son, Jesus Christ. And find all that we need in him. And offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely. Do this, we pray, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Be seated, please. What were you thinking? We've all had to face that question. Sometimes the answer is, I don't know what I was thinking. Sometimes we give that answer even though we did know what we were thinking, but we would prefer not to admit it. That question, what were you thinking, it means... What inside your head prompted you to do such a foolish action? The things we think about, the things in our heads, in our minds, control the things that we do and who we are. So as the Apostle Paul begins to draw to the end of his letter... To the Philippians, he addresses their thoughts. He's been giving them commands. He's been giving them information. He's been giving them reasons. But if the information does not get inside their minds, penetrate and take hold of their minds, it will go no further. So here he turns to there and he turns to our thoughts. 
And in this passage, as he turns to our thoughts, he gives several commands. And the commands are punctuated with two wonderful promises. So now let's look together. As we think about what we're thinking, let's look at these commands and these promises. First, the commands. And the first command is to rejoice in the Lord always. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says rejoice twice. The first and last word, rejoice. And he says to do it always. You see, they had circumstances in the church at Philippi that were not conducive to rejoicing. As we have gathered, as we've worked our way through Philippians, there was some disunity, some conflict, party spirit on the inside of that church. And there were enemies on the outside of that church. There were theological enemies who were teaching that Jesus Christ alone was not enough to be saved, to be put right with God. One had to be circumcised and obey the ceremonies of the Old Testament. And then there were the enemies that sought to do them physical violence. Paul says to this church under these circumstances, attacked from within and from without, rejoice in the Lord always. Reminds us of Job who on the day that one messenger after another had escaped to tell him that he had lost everything from his flocks and his herds down to his children. Job ran his mantle, shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul himself had done this in Philippi. You remember when he and Silas had come at first to Philippi and Paul had cast the evil spirit out of the girl who had been telling fortunes and the men who were making a profit off of her fortune telling arrested or had Paul and Silas arrested, had them beaten, and they were thrown into the Philippian jail. And you remember about midnight, it says, Paul and Silas bloodied in the jail were praying and singing praise to God. They were rejoicing in the Lord. And an earthquake came from heaven. The prison busted wide open. And you remember the Philippian jailer and his family that night converted to Jesus Christ. And the man who had put the wounds on Paul and Silas back 
tended to their wounds. That was part of the founding of that church. Paul rejoicing in what we would consider to be terrible circumstances. And Paul is doing it now as he writes this letter. You remember, he is in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard and he says, I will rejoice. And so he is telling the Philippians and he is telling us, settle it in your minds to rejoice in the Lord regardless of circumstances. You remember the prophet Habakkuk. The prophet Habakkuk who brought his complaint to the Lord and says your people have forgotten you. Your people, the nation is falling apart, turning away from you. The land is filled with corruption. Lord, what are you going to do about it? And the Lord says, don't worry about Habakkuk. I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to raise up a nation that's worse than you are and I'm going to bring them in to destroy it. Habakkuk says, Lord, how is that fair? The Lord tells Habakkuk, I will do justice in my own way, in my own time. The Lord is in his holy temple. Keep silence before him. The Babylonians are coming. Judah has turned from God. And knowing that judgment is coming, the holy prophet Habakkuk says these words. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. And the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. Though there's nothing. No blossom on the fig tree. No fruit on the vine. The olive trees are bare. The fields yield no produce. No herd in the stalls. Though complete and utter destruction is coming, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Because I still have him. And maybe it will take all the rest being stripped away for me to realize I still have him. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Second command, be gentle. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The authorized King James says, let your moderation be known to all men. Uh, this one says reasonableness. Some of your translations may say gentleness. It's very simple. Smallest child can get this. We teach our smallest children to put others first. Why do we quit saying that when people stop being children? Why do we, why when I prepared this message did I think it would insult the intelligence of the adults for me to say from this pulpit, put others first? What's Paul been saying throughout Philippians? Consider others more than yourself. You got conflict in your church. This is the key to unity, to be gentle or to be reasonable. Don't insist on your own way. Consider others more than yourself. Why? He says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. The judge is at the gate. Therefore, let your reasonableness, your gentleness, your putting others ahead of self be known to all. Old Bishop Lightfoot said it so well. To what purpose is this rivalry, this self-assertion in the church? The end is near when you will have to resign all. It'll all be over. He said, bear with others now that God may bear with you then. Third command in this passage, rejoice in the Lord always, be gentle. Thirdly, don't worry, pray. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you know, Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not worry. Paul says here in Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. So if there were any doubt, worry is sinful. And so this would be an appropriate time for me to remind us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us worries. Worry is lack of trust in God. So Paul says, do not worry or be anxious about anything. Now, you notice he doesn't say, don't worry, be happy. He says, don't worry, but pray. And he tells us to pray. He uses about four different words. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests. You see, the things we worry about are things that ultimately are beyond our control. Maybe they had once been under our control, but now 
that time has passed. We have a choice to continue to worry over the fact that we are not in control and make things come out as we would like, or we may go to the person who is in control. Many of us make the choice to continue worrying. And that worry betrays an underlying unbelief that God is really in control of the situation. Now, the fourth command in this passage is to think beautiful thoughts. Think beautiful thoughts. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, it comes naturally to us to think the worst, especially of other people. We tend to impute bad motives to people even when they do the right thing. And especially when there is disunity, when there is a party spirit as there was in the church at Philippi, there is a tendency for people to demonize, for lack of a better term, the other side. To think the worst of the other party. We read last week about these two ladies in that church that were at odds with each other. And each had a party formed around them. It's easy for one side to always to think the worst of the other, to demonize them. But we have to work. We have to fight against that. It is hard. It requires discipline. Mental discipline requires vigilance to determine I am not going to think the worst. Destructive thoughts about others. Instead, Paul says, think on the beautiful things. Now, the last command in this passage is to practice the gospel. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Now, what have they learned, received, heard from Paul? What have they seen in Paul? The gospel. The message of Jesus Christ, who, though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, 
and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the gospel. That's the good news. God the Son made himself nothing becoming a man, becoming a servant to be obedient for us in our place. Obedience to the point of death on a cross for us. Because His obedience, His death, His sacrifice for our sins was perfect was acceptable. He paid the price, satisfied the wrath, absorbed the hell for our sins. God has highly exalted him. They heard it from Paul. They learned it from Paul. They received it from Paul and they saw it in Paul. We're about to celebrate Easter. As Jesus was raised, we will be raised. We are joined to Him, united to Him. We are in Him. And for Jesus, the life that ended in glory followed the path of obedience, self-denial. Cross-bearing. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, put the gospel into practice. Become a living demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ Do you believe Jesus has done this for you? Paul says, put it into practice. Now these are commands. Now secondly and finally we see the promises. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then look at the the last word, the end of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. First Paul says, the peace of God will be with you. Then he says, the God of peace will be with you. This is the great promise of Isaiah. So on the top of your bulletin, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Do you want perfect peace in your life? Here is the key. Some folks think if they just get in the right circumstances, they'll have peace. Scripture says the key to peace is for our mind to be steadfast on God. We talked a lot about unity in Philippians. 
Unity and peace go together. Church needs unity and peace. You remember we said at the beginning that what comes out in our actions was first in our minds? There's lack of peace in the church, as there was at Philippi. When there's lack of peace in the church, there's first a lack of peace in individuals' minds because they are not thinking about God. Where there is church conflict, there is a church. There are church members that are not thinking about God. And why are we here if not at the least to think about God? His kindness. His holiness. His perfect character. His Son. Is Jesus much in your thoughts? Remember on a day in my life that was not a day, humanly speaking, that would have been conducive to rejoicing in the Lord. One of my mentors... One of my spiritual fathers called me and told me that when he was a young man, he'd been a pastor in a small town in South Carolina. There was a, a, a liberal faction in his church that was working against him. And he said to an older and wiser great aunt, he said, you know, sometimes I feel like the devil's going to win. And his great aunt said to him, you must not think that way. You must think of the beauty of and holiness of Jesus Christ. And this is what the Apostle Paul is teaching us. You must not think these destructive, selfish things. You must think of the beauty and holiness of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.